0: This podcast contains swear words. Hello and welcome to Talking Shit with Tara Cheyenne, a podcast about art making, creativity, not giving up, and living well in the process. Process? I'm coming from the perspective of a performing artist, but the themes and issues discussed here apply to all of us, whether you consider yourself an artist or not. Are you not an Maybe you are. You know, you're creative. And life is a creative act. I'm your host, Tara Shine Friedenberg, choreographer, actor, dancer, writer, and educator. Whew, that's a lot of things. No wonder I'm tired. Living on the unceded ancestral territories of the Musqueam, Slavertooth, and Squamish nations on the west coast of Turtle Island. Okay, before we launch into today's very special interview, I would just kindly remind you to like, rate, five stars, and review. I I really like Talking Shit with Tara Cheyenne. Share with your friends. It really makes a difference. It helps people find the podcast. So if they're like, I really want to hear some amazing dance artists and theater artists talk about what inspires them. They might find us, so that really helps us. And if you have the means and motivation to make a donation, however small, however big, go to the upper right-hand corner of www.terrashian.com to make a donation, and we'll also put that link in the show notes. Really do appreciate it. Okay. So before we launch into my interview with the Mary Louise Albert, I just want to say that talking to Mary Louise was beyond delightful. Mary Louise and I met first in 1994 when I was fresh, fresh out of university doing my first kind of big professional gig with Judith Garay who was one of my professors at Simon Fraser University an amazing amazing artist an amazing choreographer and uh, Mary Louise was just coming back to dance after having her second child and an incredible dancer oof sorry you didn't get to see her perform if you but if you did you know what I'm talking about so years have gone by and we've both lived many lives in between Mary Louise was the artistic director of the Chutzpah Festival at the Norman Rothstein Theater here in Vancouver for many years, presented so many amazing shows and amazing artists. And now she is living in Soyentula, in Huliwala, Soyentula, B.C. Okay. You drive way up the island, you find Malcolm Island, you take a little ferry from Port McNeil, to Malcolm Island. I've never heard of Malcolm Island. I know I hadn't either. To Soyentula, this little place with about 600 people, originally founded by Finnish communists in 1901. I know. Fascinating. Now, the commune, the utopia that they set out to establish, didn't stick, unfortunately. But there is residue, I think, of that intention in Tula, Mary Louise invited me up there as part of her company, BC Movement Arts, initiative to bring artists up to the island, to those smaller communities. She's presented some really amazing artists up there, Oro Collective, Company 605, and on and on. And I was like, this is really? This is amazing. She said, just come up. There's this beautiful hall. It's called the The Finnish Athletic Hall, beautiful old building, 1931. So you're going to hear the sound of this building. So the recording, we met live in person and had this interview, which was a huge, huge treat. And you're just going to hear the reality of that. So the echo of the room, some sounds. Mark Stewart, our incredible editor, producer, did an amazing job making us sound good in that very special magic place, Sojentula, the Finnish Athletic Hall. Before we launch right into it, trigger warning, everyone. We talk about eating disorders, body dysmorphia. So please take care of yourself. So here we go. Mary Louise Albert, I've known you since 1994. I want to
1: say? Well, it would be close to that because my daughter, Rebecca, my second child was born in 1991. So, yeah, like two years later is when I did my first dancing gig after that. And you and I were together in
0: that. We were. And I was uh, like fresh out of university. uh (gasps) Oh, we would smoke cigarettes, driving down the hill. (laughs) Oh, I remember that piece. Yeah, it was
1: a hard piece. It was Judith Garay, and she really likes precision. Yes. And I also remember she really liked counting.
0: Oh, did she remember so all
1: these sort of counts? Yes. And I'm quite, you know, I have lots of faults, but you know, also as a dancer though I very musical, right? So it was more rhythms for me and not necessarily having, you know, coming in by a certain count of thirty seven or four years or whatever. Right? And I just remember, but it made sense, right? Because yes. there was all this group work that we would have been bashing in. Yeah. I just remember all the counting and also remember the really great atmosphere.
0: It was fun. It was fun, you know. So at that point, you had your kids. Mm -hmm. But let's go back. Let's go back in time to where did you train? And did you know that you wanted to be a dancer from a very tiny person? Well, you know, from a tiny person, I always like to
1: move. And always like music, right? So I would say, yeah, there is a dancer and is a soul, right? But, you know, I, I grew up in a very working class neighborhood in Ruxdale, Ontario, which is yeah. in Toronto, yeah. which is now like, you know, it's a great place. A very working class, you know, Italian and Irish and just this working class town. And my parents too, right? They worked very hard and they were paycheck to paycheck. But when I started to really show that I really liked to move and dance, mm-hmm. My mom and my granddad made sure I went to ballet class, Aww. right? My brother got hockey and sports and yeah. all that. And and I got my ballet. And my first teacher was Janet Baldwin School of Ballet, yes. right? She was one of the old, old, you know, beginning guards of Toronto dance. Boris Volkov, right? <laughs> was husband, but she brought her school out to a couple of suburbs. And Rexia was one of them. And so I, you know, was showing her, that there was some talent. And my mom, in order to help pay for the classes, would do administrative work for her Rexdale well. thing, right? So I was with Janet Baldwin School all the way through. To when in grade twelve, I did my advanced World academy. Oh yes, your RAD, yes, RAD, and then I went to
0: RIS in three years, and uh, yeah.
1: So that was my beginning training. The good the
0: old RAD. All yeah. I
1: did was ballet class. Yeah, we would have every now and then like a jazz class, which was fantastic. Yeah. Then a couple of times we had year end shows right I would have to say that all this choreography young students are doing I've kind of now mixed feelings sort of about it right oh yes it's sort of where you can be um, a real great high school athlete yes in your big glory days or
0: yeah Yeah. or high school school.
1: that's what you do and then yeah kind of ends and it goes right because I know that as a dancer like you can go your whole career and never have a soul Mm-hmm. or never have like do parts. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But the expectations of what a lot of dancers will think is out there once they finish their training yes. might yes. be a little different, you know. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So anyway, I didn't have that. It was all ballet. And then going to Banff a couple of times, yeah. and that's when, you know, I'd get, okay, here's a modern teacher, here's this, this is
0: interesting. Wow. Okay. Here's a question for you. When I did my RID, I think the last one, Margot Fontaine signed my RID. Yeah. Did you have her?
1: Yeah, it would have been Margot Fontaine,
0: I think. I mean, I can look
1: back, I've got them. I know. But it was this real, like, you look at those grades, especially what they call the majors, right? Yeah. Elementary, intermediate, and yeah. advanced. And you're kind of also seeing this history of this British dance, you know, game somebody rather. And it was when I was doing my major. It was every two years. So it's important to pass. It was, yeah. Yeah, to move on. So I went to Ryerson for a year and enjoyed the dancing part. Was kind of a bad student. I was not the least bit interested in any (laughs) of the academics. And I remember theater class, you know, we had to read this Shakespeare play and I hadn't read it. And I'm just so I'm just guessing and just like doing that and the paper came back all in red, you know. Really? <laughs> 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 oh you wanted care. me to read it. Oh, oh. it was so that was, it was funny, yeah. Uh. And I apprenticed with like Grand Ballet for a year. And that was really interesting. Mm-hmm, it was mm-hmm, good. Mm-hmm. And again, we're going way back. We're yeah. talking like in the 70s. And the pressure of morphing you into something maybe that you aren't as a human being, whether it's mm. physically or mentally. It's an interesting process when um, you're the type of dancer where an institution like that is liking you. Yes. But it's going to be very dependent on what you look like a year later and what you have to do right but at the same Ah, time liking you I mean we're talking about weight heavy duty you know yeah 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 sort of thin and so it's like you look back at that and it's like well if that is the system it's best not to include somebody that isn't physically looking the way you want them to look so there was kind of mixed stuff you know around that and and that was for a year but kept dancing every time you know even with it was like. I wasn't ready to quit, taught for a while yeah. and, you know, met up with Peter Bonham right. in Ottawa. They moved to Ottawa and, you know, he really wanted me in the group to Laplace then. And Pio Perro was right. his co direct but I was too balletic for him uh uh-huh. so it was like it's not gonna work you know because they both would have to agree but peter set up the audition for anna wyman when she was coming, oh, okay okay right ottawa and she was looking for one dancer and he set that up and i got that job and that's what brought me out in 1978
0: to Vancouver. wow <laughs> i love it i love it so that was your arrival on the west coast mm-hmm. okay. and you never left Yeah,
1: because, I mean, I was close to my parents and brothers, too. But, you know, you start to form as an adult. So I would have been 23, 24.
0: Yeah. Yeah. You were with Anna Wyman for a while. I
1: was with Anna Wyman from 1978 for three years. Then um, I quit for a year. Waitress. Really enjoyed that. (laughs) 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 And I was sort of intends to come back and dance. Yeah. And did go back and dance with Anna Wyman for about another year. Yeah. And then I ended up very, very sick with an eating disorder. Yeah. And I'm very vocal about this. Most people... No, and it was interesting because at the time too, there were some dance people that I knew, right? And going way back, you know, that were saying, "We don't think you should go back." And I had wonderful experiences with Anna's company too, mm-hmm. but I was not the right person to be there. Right? right? Yeah. Yeah. I got trapped. Anyways, I got very yeah. ill again. We're going to those days. Like it is so important for dance. Whoever is in charge of dance, right? There's a healthy body weight and then there's an unhealthy body weight. And the unhealthy body weight being pushed on anybody, whether it's now or then. The possibility of what damage you're going to do to a human being, right? And I was like, when I finally went into the hospital with it, when I realized I just cannot be handling this, I was ready. To commit sooth, I was, yeah. like, I can't live like this anymore. No. I had known what it was like to live without it, yeah, and not be angry. So I knew what I was missing. And my doctor, who went internist, who had been working with me, and I seen the said you're trying to just make it work while I was dancing too, mm. and you know, and again looking quite amazing from a dance perspective perspective you are a teeny little thing of powerhouse dancer. Yeah. So at the same time you're constantly being praised and exactly and, and loving that side of it, but you're physically and mentally kind of dying inside right because that's the other thing right it's not you know calories aren't just you know for It's your mental state
0: absolutely absolutely. yeah and
1: that's nobody like to blame it's just was it's It's
0: the system you know it's a
1: system and I think that's where then you have a situation where that system is not working for someone else somebody else can go in there and be strong and not yeah. Get, you know, whatever. And I was very young, right? I just went straight from high schooling to dancing yeah. all the time. And yeah. one year of Ryerson, but then going to Lake You're Very young. It weren't those years of kind of growing up between 18 and 21? Oh, which a and lot so happened much happens. happened either being in a really good program, like Modus, for instance, or going to university or going, right? They're growing up years. So yes. I didn't have that yes. necessarily. And yeah, just a very interesting period, but I got over it. And so as hard as all of that was, I am one of the statistics that it worked. You know, yeah. I, I became healthy again and yeah. I always knew I wanted to have children. I wanted to carry on. And, and after that, then I met Judith Marcuse after I kind of finished with, you know, whatever. And, 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 Connected with her and danced with her for almost 10 years. Right. Right. But one yeah. of the things that was really great about Judy was when she asked me to join the company, I'd been in a project with her at the premier dance theater then at right. Harperfront. And now it's called The Fleck. Oh, right. So yes. Mark Hughes had this piece where it was five nights of all different companies around Canada that were performing in this opening every night. But this piece that she had was in it every night. So a different okay. company would be sharing. And it was like, wow, OK, I can't believe I'm back. And when she asked you know, to join the company, I said to her, I said, well, this is what my past has been. My weight is unpredictable because my body is getting healthy again. And so I'm yo-yoing and whatever. And you can never say to me, I need to lose weight. Yeah. If I can trust that you will never say that to me, I'm willing to take this risk. And of course, she never did. And then, you know, a year and a half Year goes by, my body starts to stabilize, mm. right? Yeah. And then you are who you are as in your healthy way. Yeah. So yeah, so many paths, right? It depends on who you
0: meet. It so <sighs> depends. You know, definitely after I had my child, like the disordered eating, yeah. I think it had been there all along yeah. and it yeah, just yeah. really bloomed <laughs> yeah, yeah. but all the things people say to you over the years oh, yeah. and I remember being like so tiny and so tired and I was drinking like those boost shakes it was mm-hmm. the only thing I could get down mm-hmm. and the praise and you're just like oh, yeah oh, my god I'm dying mm-hmm. but mm-hmm. okay I guess this is good okay just realize how important it is to be supportive be, careful.
1: be supportive and women being supportive of women right yeah. this was not You know, all where it was just men, like, pushing not at all, right? Oh, no, it was was everywhere. It's everywhere. And I think dance is somewhat, and probably I'm assuming maybe gymnastics and rhythmic gymnastics or whatever, you know. But dance, because so many of us start so early and the passion and the system, right? So I'm a firm believer that people finish their training after high school. There needs to be something that they're doing, still dancing or whatever, but it needs to be in an environment too, where they are able to grow and you know learn who they are also as they're shifting into adulthood because you might feel like you're really mature and you know everything you're doing but the expectations of being an adult are very different than the expectations of being 18 right? 17 and you have to be prepared for that so I'm assuming and hoping if you're going to an intensive dance school dance program after high school right that isn't maybe a social with the, the type of institution or you're not taking a gap here or you're not whatever that that is being integrated also you have to be able to stand up for yourself and advocate for yourself once you head into the dance world and I would say I mm. is a product of um training and the times right sexism misogyny, like it's what one grew up with oh yeah during that time yeah yeah you were not empowered God, no. You were also brought up, well, brought up, and I'd say my parents necessarily didn't do this, but society and is still there where you are as a woman or as a female identifying person, however, you are um, less,
0: a bit less yeah.
1: than the male, right? Yeah. So that stops you from being able to stand off yourself.
0: Well, and there's a I whole know. shut up and dance. Well, exactly. Right? And
1: you realize now what you would be just like, well, oh, fuck it. You know, <laughs> no, or no, like it's not. Yeah. The process of supporting people as they're going through the different stages of their lives. Yeah. Uh, and I think you saw some of that with people in the ah. workshop that you had yesterday, right? Yeah. Hearing some of their stories as seniors, what they're feeling and yeah. about
0: change right? you know making body parts which is the solo that i made during the pandemic yeah, and uh, that's, that's going to yeah, be at yeah. the cult soon but that your body's always changing and just right. this like crazy idea that you should get your body back or get back to where like what body yeah. it's when, literally going to be changing the whole time you're alive
1: absolutely and when you say in your piece did you get your body back did <laughs> you get your body back did you get it like how that resonates For yeah. And especially when you've had children. Yeah.
0: If you had a dollar for every time somebody said, Did you get your body back? Or are you working on getting your body back? I mean, the number of times it was like, well, oh, that last 10 pounds.
1: I could imagine with yourself, like, oh, you were so skinny and tiny, you'll get back to anyways, right? But it's the comments that I think as a parent too, Mm -hmm. you realize. How they, they just stick with children. Oh I know. Right? I and know. yeah, it's um that's interesting. But you know what? And then meeting up with you, yeah. we get back to that after I danced with Judy for yeah. years. I had Joseph, my son, who's now 36, went back and danced with her company. A, a few years and then knew I wanted to have another baby had Rebecca mm. and then didn't think I was going to dance after that I thought this was it and it felt like walls were closing in on me a bit right after yeah. that because it's like okay what because I also um. don't remember having at that time a lot of fellow dance friends who had children there weren't many and I remember with Joseph in particular it was like Barbara and Jay right they had yeah. their Joseph who was a year older right and right Right. Like, right. Yeah. it yeah. was and Judy had her daughter, with Rachel, but there wasn't like a lot. So it was feeling a little closed in. And then I just really exercised and felt one to do that. And then this project with Judith Garion, I'd seen her perform and was like, who yeah. oh, is this beauty? And it was like, I'm going to... And that started, I would say, a good eight
0: years of independent work
1: and commissioning.
0: That's right. Who are some of your favorite commissions? Because I I do remember seeing so many shows.
1: I would say that all the work that I commissioned were were huge, huge amounts. It was some project work. But it was also just so you know, too, that at that time, you couldn't commission as a dancer. You had to be a choreographer sort of doing and that Oof. sort of changed, and, and I do give myself a bit of credit for that. Sylvan Brochu and I, we had a show. You, 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 we you
0: trailblazed, didn't it, you? Yeah, that's that, Thank that
1: you. shit where we were kind of like, well, we've been doing this and we can't apply for a grant, but somebody graduating from SFU, seeing their choreographer can.
0: Well, there's the whole thing. Not that they thing. shouldn't be able to do that. That's the whole thing about, I was on a panel about pay equity and for dancers, and that idea about dancers Oh, you're just you're interpreters just you're just in and it's complete bullshit yeah. because mm-hmm. it is a massively difficult craft absolutely. and artistry yeah. and creativity mm-hmm. and i just think it goes to that preconception
1: absolutely preconception and also the dismissing yes just actually how in control Dancers internally know their artistry. Yeah. And I think we're seeing the negative aspects of this now, Mm -hmm. in many ways, is the hierarchy. Yeah. When all the years that I was dancing, including the independent, which was why, you know, we we fought to go, hey, I'm sorry. I think the jury's going to want to see our application and explain to me why we can't. This hierarchy of the choreographer, where again, Mm -hmm. the choreographer and good on them, right? But there's a lot of dancers and a lot of people who are as engaged and have put as much artistry and blood, sweat and tears into their work. And we're not hearing those voices as much. But it's also the that They were just always the step above. Not yeah. that they're not generous or not. Like It was just one of the things that as a dancer, a straight dancer, that's what the sort of system was. So it's interesting now. It's great where you see, you know, people co-choreographing together or a wonderful collective, like oral collective. Yeah. All doing it together. They were just up here performing for me, you know, with the Beast Movement Arts. And after they did a run, I sat to them. And I said, there's something about you. I that I've got it now. Now I understand what it is I feel that is so different. It's totally quality, not just as artists, choreographing and dancing, but also as male, female, or I don't mean to be gender insensitive, but you know, the patriarch, there isn't this patriarchal feel, or, you know, in some cases, matriarchal feel. It is like,
0: Mm. wow,
1: it felt so good. And I felt so good as a 67-year-old mother and grandmother now that, wow, how positive A direction like this is going and how important I feel that direction needs to be really supported. Yeah. And start breaking down in many ways the kind of old way.
0: Yeah. And I feel like those artists too, they're healthier. They're enjoying themselves more. I mean, I was talking to somebody recently, just couldn't believe I was telling them. This is like, when you were injured, I remember working for choreographers, you'd never mention you were injured because you would get fired, that's right. So you know you just pop the
1: film and just going out
0: there and torturing yourself instead of like if we were working in a way where we didn't feel like we we're, I don't know, afraid all the time. Mm-hmm. And also you made me think of, I will mention no names. but you know now there's more of a practice that when you are in creation and the creation is coming from the dancers, as well as the choreographer, that it, that is acknowledged. It's acknowledged, and that's now, pretty recent. Like yes. I remember thinking, "Oh, wow, they're really gonna say that that was their okay." Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I, I kind of remember making up all those steps. Yeah. So, mm.
1: and you see that more, and that change, and that acknowledgement, and good, and also with a lot yeah. of choreographers. i doing it for a long time that they've shifted into yeah. saying that too, right? Yes, yeah. so acknowledge what's um, really going
0: on. I think it's important to. You just talk about this stuff because the hope is that people, you, myself included, are going to keep dancing. Oh, absolutely. When I yeah. was at ballet school, it was like, oh, no, 27 is a cutoff. Absolutely. That was that, Like, what, they're going to shoot you behind the barn? And then... <laughs> <laughs> right? And then contemporary was like, okay, you got until you're about 34, 35. Yeah. And then I, I remember being 35 and being like, oh no, oh no. No, no, for And sure. now I'm 50 and I'm just and like. And you're
1: still, and it's like all the different stages of what you're doing, you know, and you're such a wonderful example of that. And there's many artists, right, that, yeah. that are doing it, is that you have to embrace the age that you're at. Yeah. And enjoy it and enjoy yeah. its creativity because it's bringing a whole bunch of things that you didn't have before, maybe you have less of what was before. But again, you're going yeah. to have something that, and if it's honest, it's so wonderful watching.
0: I love watching that. Uh, yeah. Age. I love mm-hmm. watching all the different states. I mean, I do love watching like real grownups. I guess mm-hmm. when I say grownups, big yeah, air I quotes so. around that. Yeah. Uh, I saw Louise LeCavalier recently and mm-hmm. I just was like, Oh my God, she's mm-hmm. 63. And my friend laughed at me because I said, I'm only 50.
1: <laughs> yeah, exactly. But you know? again, that mentality of it, because a lot of, I don't know, the category of mid-career established, right? Like a lot of dance artists and choreographers slash performers who we think are youngish they're pushing 40 or they're 40 and they have children and they have right yeah so that concept of being able to carry on like it feels like it is breaking yeah a bit right but what's so interesting when you go back and how the pressure and i i think still with ballet and with, oh yeah you know, it's still there it's still there but at the same time that they're saying you're gonna end here you're gonna it doesn't matter you put all your your life into it all this money into it, whatever and never ever any concept how then do you help them financially, <laughs> yes. emotionally to support? And that's where Joyce Ann Sidemus, years ago with the Dancers Transition Center, that's yes. what she was noticing. Yeah. And then this dancer transition center started to help people make a transition because when I did stop dancing, I was 45, you know, Rebecca's in elementary school, Joseph's in high school, my husband, you know, never had like a big fat job, right? We're struggling yeah. to you yeah. know, make everything. I would not have been able to go to school for two and a half years if I hadn't had this funding from the dancers transition center so I was able to go to Capilano for the arts entertainment program and really thought it was great but knew that if I want to kind of present and manage at a level that kind of my dance was I needed like, to learn business right real business right you know right, right, right. I went to BCIT and post diploma program but with that having this money for the tuition and some subsistence mm-hmm. it meant I was able to do that so you think and you just think of all the artists that just fell through oh, the cracks. Oh, totally. Well, you know, I remember Joyce Ann saying people would turn to alcohol or turn to drugs because yeah. so much of your life. So it feels there's more awareness. now. Like one of the things that I felt was, well, seeing, hey, it can be an expense in budgets with kind of counsel and all that for child care yes way back when i went and danced with judith gary right it was 1990 we were talking i think i want to say 93 93, 94 94 nobody
0: talking about daycare judith gary paid my daycare for rebecca she did did. i didn't know that you know what because i have to acknowledge that that's a big deal because yeah. I was told by the Canada Council, my officer, that I was TCP, Terror Shine Performance. We were the first to put it in our budgets. Brilliant. Yeah. We didn't ask for permission. Yeah. Apparently there was, I never heard the pushback. There was a little pushback, but it quickly got like, no, no, no. This, right. So I think we really need a shout out to Judith Garay for doing that. Because, yeah. I mean, I can't hire dancers. And know that they're paying childcare, so therefore they're netting $4 an hour. Yeah. The most, That's not yeah, cool. Yeah. That's and not cool. I
1: remember, like, saying to Judy, it's going to be hard for me to afford to do this because of, you yeah, know, yeah. my day. And I said, it won't be all the time because Rebecca would just kind of go everywhere. And Joseph was in school. And she, you know, didn't have children and doesn't have children. Yeah. And there was no discussion. She said, sure, why don't you, at the end of the gate, will it work if you just let me know how much it was and I'll pay you.
0: Amazing. Mm-hmm,
1: mm-hmm. Yeah. That stuck with me.
0: Absolutely. You know, and yeah.
1: especially the not having to barter or argue about
0: it. Yeah, exactly. It like, of course. Of yeah. course. Yeah, yeah, of course. And we need to keep people dancing. Mm-hmm. If we lose everybody when they have children or, or become caregivers of whoever, That's right. we're going to lose all these great brains and talent. And That's right. So then you came back recently <laughs> and danced again. I did. <laughs> how was that
1: you know a very interesting process and that was in just oh god it was in December of the first year of COVID and it was just before everything got shut down the night of our opening that's just like the (laughs) timing were you so what I you know sort of say with that is one of the reasons it happened that I did decide maybe I should dance again, see what it's like, do a solo, because it was fitting into a project that I'd done. When I stopped dancing, I was 45. There was no emotion that I was like, I was warming up and going like, I'm
0: done. Oh, really? It was clear. Oh, yeah. It was, it was like clear.
1: clear. It was like I was in the theater. I was sharing a show with Alan Kasia and Karen, myself, for the first Christopher Festival. Yeah. And one of the things I've always loved with dancing, I've always equally loved the process, the rehearsal process, being in a studio right? And especially all, I was doing all the for solo work, right? Yeah. So I loved being in the studio and running solos and working. And yeah. when I was warming up, i was realizing I'm only getting excited about this show now. Oh, it's done. It's done. Yeah. Like yeah, I, yeah I, Cause yeah. you're hardly really in your career. You've not on stage very no much. no it's you mostly have to enjoy it's, you have to be mostly
0: warming up yeah. dealing with the things So, yeah.
1: my last show I ended up doing a film a video kind of film in Prague with Daniel Conrad oh right with yeah. Crystal Pike choreographs yeah and myself and Emily and Jay and Crystal yeah. were the Canadian component going and then there were about six dancers from Prague yeah and we were there for a month and it was so much fun and that mm. was my last you know sort of dance yeah but one of the things that I felt was unfinished was um I had these solos that I really like three in particular and they ended with me. Mm. Right? That all these solos they ended yeah. with me. Yeah. And that I wanted to try to pass them on. So I just mm-hmm. thought, you know. So I applied. I reached out to some dancers. I got money to do three of them. I really yeah. wanted four. I got money to do three. Talked to the choreographers. So they were Alan Casia, Peter Bingham, and a late Ted Robinson. Yeah,
0: I remember that solo.
1: Yeah. I asked them, I said, what do you think? I would like to find a way to remount these, put them on to the dancers, and then you will have time with them. And, uh... They were totally game. And I had Vanessa Goodman who did a piece with Ted Robbins. Yeah, and Lavon Ellis who did Peter Bingham's "From Walking Away" and yeah. my daughter Rebecca who did Alan Casia's piece. Mm. And so we um, were presented then after it's sort of done, you know. And it was it was at the time too when I didn't quite understand the New Canada Council, right? So I <laughs> think my grant was from. Creation to production or whatever, yeah, yeah, to performance, to realization. So, man, oh, I have to really get this performer <laughs> as opposed to just do it, and give them and let yeah. them go like, right. So, anyway, so I did that, but I got funding from Canada Council and BC Arts Council to do these, right? And the dancers were paid nicely. They also, you know, I did not have to pay for their work, the work is theirs, and a wonderful passing on. Generational
0: too. Mm -hmm, Right. mm -hmm. Not
1: just with me, but also with the choreographers. Yeah. And and they were all um experienced, right? Yes. But but definitely of a complete few generations back then myself. And also the choreographers, because I have the same. Alan's a little bit younger than me, Peter's older, Ted was a bit older. So we were of that generation. So it was really very gratifying. Mm. So then we, you know, the dance center. Presented us. Yeah. And, and I've been talking about maybe I should do something. You know, people are kind of encouraging me. Why don't you do it? hmm so I did. So Serge Bannathon, I asked yeah. Serge to do a solo for me. We worked on it up here in Swing too Oh, gorgeous. And, yeah. The process was wonderful. Very sensitive. It was really interesting for me to get back and to be moving sort of like that. It took a long period because luckily I'd been one of these dancers that when I stopped dancing at 45, I could still do everything. It wasn't a physical thing at all.
0: Yeah, yeah. Right.
1: So it was interesting then sort of shifting, and I've always been strong and kind of yeah. shaped for whatever age I am, um, but one of the lovely things about it, which I think goes back to what we we're talking about with aging, the artistry. Oh, you know there yeah. hadn't gone and yeah. I noticed that quickly as we were rehearsing which was like oh it's really interesting and also I was worried about am I going to be able to remember choreography am I going to be <laughs> able to do that that <laughs> hadn't that was yeah. all still amazing there. so it was really it was lovely and this lovely solo that I really really liked and you know the whole process and it was to be performed you know we're already opening night five o'clock we find out it's shut oh
0: down. my god but what it was Ooh. interesting
1: about that it wasn't so sort it's of shut down and vanessa and lavana and rebecca oh my god what a dream team the support from them right i remember rebecca saying to me i just wanted to burst into tears because how it was affect. you know this was here <laughs> so now you're not doing it But she said, I saw you were so stoic about it. And you have to be, right? It's like, I'm not arguing, you know, with what are you going to do? waited a night and gone the other night hindsight. You can't. Everybody made their decisions the way the organization needed to make their decisions. But the big fear for me when we were negotiating and talking about presenting this with the dance center when we knew this COVID had been in for a while. We weren't sure where it was sort of going. Everybody was starting to just live stream, right? Let's mm-hmm. stream it, let video mm-hmm. Well, one of the least interesting things for me, and yes. it's just my personal taste, is dance on film. Unless it is really yeah. done well or it really is just an archival recording of a show but also because i didn't grow up with being recorded luckily Marcuse has some stuff you know has a lot of stuff like from old videos but no we don't have videos really
0: of that no. time
1: so it really was how do you feel now, right? mm. when you're performing and that's your memory yeah but also just being so worried about what am i going to look like? like i just knew <laughs> that i'm going to look way better live on stage from a distance <laughs> For the audience to watch then in video, right? And I wanted, you know, I would say, and it's another, I mean, again, I have had over the years and sometimes still can issues with body dysmorphia. Yes. Okay. Yeah. So it doesn't matter what the reality of what I, I look like on 100%. film. It
0: doesn't really I know. matter.
1: So we got it recorded. Of course, yeah. <laughs> we're back on the up. You know, looked amazing. And again, we're talking like 20 years since I've yeah. been dancing. And I saw some of my footage <laughs> up close. <laughs> and I just went, I can't do it. I'm sorry. You know, yeah. we have to take it out. And they're like, Mary Louise, you look fantastic. It doesn't matter. Like, yeah. I can't do it. So we compromised. Yeah. And if you were to look at that showing, mm-hmm. Everybody else has some close-ups. Chris Randall did a lovely job of videotaping, Mm -hmm. has close-ups, distance, all of that. My Mm -hmm. one is from the back of the stage looking at the whole performance. Right. And it wasn't, it was more, it was because I didn't get the chance to do it live. You didn't have the experience. Because yeah. that's what I that's what was important for me. That's yeah. where that connection was. So if it just becomes on screen, it didn't yeah. make sense to me. It wasn't just about, oh, I want to do a solo,
0: I want to yeah, do a no, no.
1: it was experience that physicality live with an audience. Yeah. And so it was um yeah, what I did realize because again you're thinking, oh maybe I should start again and dance again. <laughs> <laughs> you know, loved working with Serge and we go back. Yeah. Right? He was one of the first choreographers after I'd had Joseph when I went back to Judith mm-hmm, Marcus, mm-hmm. He was there choreographing for the company and he had a piece with four of us and I was one of them. And that's when I met you right. know, in 1989 or something. Yeah. Right? But I also realized it's just too this much This podcast work. is it's effing good. good. <laughs> it is a not, lot of work, yeah. I don't want to, you know, if I just wanted to choreograph standing still in a spot, okay. Sure. That's fine, but that's not me. And no. I'm fidgety, I move around. Yeah. So it was like, okay, well, at least now I know I don't want to maybe start another solo dance another career solo. at 65. I was 65 then, yeah. so at 65, 67, right? And so I knew that with myself. Mm-hmm. But it was... I would mm. say that you know,
0: damn COVID. Like, I, would you I do that solo again? Show again? Would I, you, I, if you I had would, the chance to perform it?
1: If I had the chance to perform it in a, you know, like when people can have like salons, yeah, intimate, yeah, sharing, and if there was. Others, mm-hmm. you know, doing a similar sort of thing, and mm-hmm. it was part of a sharing thing, yeah. maybe. But even that solo, right? We know, we know Serge's work, right? Yeah,
0: <laughs> I can't funny. imagine it was easy. Well, it was,
1: you know, <laughs> one of the things was somebody had said, Well, you know, yeah, like he didn't give me an old lady solo. There were moments, of course, that you sort of could do, but it was like it was a lot of work at this age to do that. So it's not that I wouldn't want to maybe do it again at some point. I'm just not sure if I want to do all the work to get there. (laughs) Right?
0: I hear you. Without injury, you know. No, it's not worth it. So
1: sometimes Mm. your memories are, that's what they are, right? It also is just a testament that we all know how much hard work it is. To be a dancer, to be performing, right? You know, and I like the fact that I'm this age and I can go for long walks and I don't have aching hips and I don't have that. That part of where it took a lot of work to get sort of to the point of just not looking (laughs) like an idiot doing it, Mm -hmm. um, to also make sure I wasn't going to be injured. So I Mm. really loved dancing and performing yeah. if I was a choreographer I might have carried on in mm-hmm. another way or coming back and choreographed yeah but I'm not and it wasn't ever an interest for me the yeah. interest for me was physically connecting and emotionally with moving with yeah. performing wow so yeah i have a sob covid story now i di- remember a friend of mine who's a like, well-known choreographer oh. and she just said barely i have to say this you got royally fucked yeah you did right? you With did but oh. i'm glad people you know understood that yeah but after when we were talking also about eating disorders yeah. and body right that it can do a lot of a lot of damage so yeah. i was also A bit surprised, but I couldn't leave my head when it was like, you can use me on film as long as it's just the back.
0: Yeah, yeah.
1: And also, it's just so interesting going back after 20 years, right? There wasn't this gradual sort of change of... Mm-hmm. Aging. i mean in many ways like i love aging but the work to yeah. go back and perform it's like that's all i would be able to do
0: yeah you, you can't do a bunch of other stuff and now no. you are doing a bunch of other stuff that's right yeah which you always have been mm-hmm. you're one of the busiest people i've oh, i've known <laughs> <I see. Yeah. laughs> running the chutzpah festival for how long it was 15 was it 15 years, 15 years 2019
1: was my last Festival, I ended up staying kind of to the end of March to help Jessica out a bit more yeah. and then COVID hit right yeah. so that was you know wow and then poor Jessica too but in some ways we, we and I have talked about this too because we've yeah. become friends and we have a project we're doing together in April. Oh and fun fun fun. Yeah yeah and so you know for her too it gave her some chance to go in a little bit slower yeah, yeah. and make her mark right I and you see, see the wonderful work that she's doing yeah
0: so it's yeah and now you're up here in Soyantula. Full time, yeah. I was, Full time. Yeah. But you've been presenting work up here since 2015. That's right. Because right?
1: during the last few years of running Hood Spa, I was kind of piggybacking with the activities of what I wanted to do with BICMIS. Yeah. And to build some capacity of our history of what BC yeah. Movement Arts would do in order to stand on our own two feet. Sure when I left Hutzpah too, yeah. but it also really bounced up nicely because it brought Hutzpah up to this north of island. Yeah. it brought this range of activities. And then after I knew that when I left the Rothstein and Hutzpah, it was just time. Yeah. It was just 15 years because I also knew I had another chunk of work with me and I really mm-hmm. wanted to just focus on dance. Yeah. So chutzpah was multidisciplinary, which yeah. was great, but I wanted to just focus on dance. And for the last like four years of running the festival and, and the theater, I was actually working remotely right. from here. So I went almost like 50-50. Right? Amazing. And so I was getting really used to it. Well, most of the stuff I do anyway. Yeah, so you're in front, of a, in front yeah. of a computer. You're in front of a computer. So, um, I was doing that and then knew that, okay, it took a time. Like, well, I want to live here. Will my husband want to live here? Like, yeah. it's really, it is remote. It's different. It's yeah. not living in Campbell River. So, yeah, after spending those years, I did. But I also knew that I wasn't ready to not be doing what I want to do. So, you know, that husband moved here. Then, BC Movement Arts, because we'd gotten one grant before. Yes. We a community yes. grant. I was eligible to apply in right. professional dance stream. Yeah. I was eligible to apply with Canada Council with all yeah. that. So, you know, we've been lucky with getting development money from Canadian Heritage to doing that. So it's project-based. So again, as you know, too, right? It's <laughs> yep. so many project-based that... I don't get one of these grants next year or the year after it's gone. Right. Yeah. I mean I'm not I don't have another budget. I'm not no. personally putting in a lot of money to no. make this work. But so far it's been really good. So GR, it's Canada Council, Canadian Heritage with Project Money. And I think part of it was because A had been building where we had done things here. Yeah. So we had proven. I'd already had this relationship since 2014 with some wonderful cultural leaders in Alert Bay, one in yeah. particular, Andrew Cramner of the Namcus Nation. And so it wasn't just like, I'm going to do this. It was like, we've been doing this in this sort of way. And I think good on them too. I don't think it was questioned whether... I'd be able to pull it off. If you know anybody know I mean? can pull this well, off. No, but I <laughs> it's mean, other people yeah, I mean it's- it was like, okay, let's do this. So, so far this now, because of COVID, it got pushed yeah. forth back. So we're now into our second season of this dance series. And my residency is, I did it last year. Yeah. This year with the residencies, I do have my confirmed funding for my third Yay. season. Yay. Right? And then we just see and hopefully, you know, BC Arts opens up operating... Yeah, at some point, but again, right? Dun dun that's dun. That's a whole dun, other. Dun dun dun. That's yeah. a whole other terror talking.
0: <laughs> that's shit. a whole other. Yeah. That's gonna be some talking shit. Okay. Yeah, and um, not just like for me. I'm more concerned, you
1: know, with yeah. artists that again we have this. We think they're young, right? It's like oh, a new person. But they're not. On, they're not new. Like they've Chris been working their, been their ass off. for 25 years yeah. and has been going right. So many of the companies and uh, you know, like they're
0: not new. Well, it's that whole thing. I mean, I, I talk about Hannah Gatsby the. Stand up comic all the time. She just came on the scene. Yeah. Oh no, she's been like doing it for like fifteen years that's before right. that. It's important to point that out, right? Absolutely. Yeah. yeah, you know, and and so it's um, it's amazing. And you so have like an audience of people who are like into dance. Well, they've been kind of
1: coming for a while, right? Yeah. Like, here's this small community that, yeah, have seen quite a bit. You know, they've seen. Shea Coopler, Double Sales, we've had Alan Kasia, Rebecca, 605. Yeah. You know, a range of styles. Totally. Right. So, yeah. So, we perform here. We go to Alert Bay, Port McNeil. This year, I mean, it's actually Port Hardy. And depending on the production, this year there's two. But actually, they're also in Campbell River. So Amazing. Yeah. And then you, we can hardly, <laughs> I'm
0: looking so. Oh, far. we can't wait. You we can't coming. wait. Yeah. We can't wait. We, yeah. yeah, we're really excited. The residency. I've been up here, got what, one more day, two more days of residency yeah, up here fun. Fun. in this gorgeous studio up here. It's beautiful. Thank you, Mary Louise. You're welcome, Come Tara. Right. That you was so much. fun. <laughs> And that's a wrap. Thank you so much for listening. Thank you so much, Mary Louise, for such an amazing conversation. It was so nice to hang out with you. I look forward to doing it again soon. And please get in touch. We're on Instagram, Tara Cheyenne, TCP, Facebook, Tara Cheyenne Performance, or you can email us info at com. Talking Shit with Tara Cheyenne is a production of Tara Cheyenne Performance. With original music by Mark Stewart, also edited and produced by the very same Mark Stewart. And if you are listening to this before May 3rd, 2023 in the Gregorian calendar, you have time to get a ticket to come and see my show, Body Parts, at The Colch here in Vancouver. Body Parts is an exploration of body image, which is quite fitting for this particular Episode, I think. Would love to see you there. You can get tickets at the Colch website.
1: This podcast is effing good.